0: Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today, good? Let's give it up for Jesus one more time in this house. There's never enough for him. So we are so grateful to have all of you with us today. And we are going into part two of the Imagine Project, right? The Imagine series. And so turn to your neighbor and say, imagine. Imagine. Well, that was weak. Let's try that again. Turn to your neighbor and say, imagine. Imagine. I look back at him and say, imagine a breath mint, dog. That was terrible. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. All right. All right. So we are, we are excited to be in the Imagine series. If you were with us last week, you heard the big announcement about our church is moving to AMC Theaters on Bayou Boulevard and we are pumped about that. So uh, yeah, absolutely. We are super excited about that. Many of you guys already jumped on the dream team with us. You're like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm all in, like, let's go. I wanna be a part of this great thing. And what an opportunity and a season for what God is doing right here at Transformation Church. And we're excited to have you guys being a part of it, all right. So, that kind of leads us into what I wanted to talk to you about today. And, and I want to start by telling you about a, a friend of mine I have. So, I have a buddy of mine. He's a pastor. He's a few years older than me. Uh, he's got some of his kids, and and so him and his family they went on a, a ministry trip where he was meeting with college students, right? And so he was going to be meeting with these college students and. And uh, so in the, in the evening times, they were having like church sessions. But during the day times, they were having uh, kind of just like all out fun. So they were on a beach. So they would go to the beach and they would do all that stuff. And so as they were doing their ministry stuff and as they were hanging out and doing all that, they were at the beach. And him and his son, PJ. Now, PJ at the time was like 11 or 12. And so as they were at the beach, they actually see uh, one of the guys down by the water. He was a double amputee. And he's trying to go from the, he had made his way down to the water of the beach and he was trying to get back up. And as he was trying to climb the little hill of sand, uh, he made it up just a little bit and he fell and then he got himself back up and he fell again. He got himself back and he fell again. And one of my buddies, my friend that was there, he was there and it was in that moment. How many of you guys know in moments like that, you have two choices. You either go help that person or you act like you didn't see it at all. Come on, like, where are we at, right? It's just, how many of y'all know the look up and away? Oh, okay. Right? And so, my buddy, uh, he, he chose in that moment to not practice what he preached. Anyway, so he did the look up and away. Oh, I, I, I you know. Like, he acted like he didn't see it. And for whatever reason, he chose not to help that guy in that moment. But his son, PJ, looked at him, and he's like, hey, Dad. I got to go help that guy. Now, for those of you with kids, you know, that's a terrible moment when your kid realizes to do the thing that you should have done, but you didn't, right? So PJ was like, I got to go help that guy. And he he was like, yeah, somebody probably should, huh? So so he said, go for it, son, because here's what happened. PJ runs over to, to help the guy. But I believe what happened between my friend and his son and this young man that was on the beach is actually something that's pretty common to all of us. You see, every day and throughout different weeks and different months and, and just throughout life in general, we have great opportunities to capitalize on key moments to create impact in people's lives. The thing is, as many of us don't capitalize on great moments, we let the time go by. You see, my buddy, by the time he looked away, his moment was gone. But PJ capitalized on his you see, so often in life, we are wishing we did great things, but we're not capitalizing on great opportunities to accomplish great purpose. So, so often in life, we don't get known. We don't have our name publicized. We, we don't get to accomplish something great because we don't capitalize on key moments where greatness is an opportunity. So my question for us is, what could happen if we started seizing the day? What could happen if we started saying yes? What could happen if we started imagining what God could do with our life if we would seize the day? Which takes us to our topic for today, which in Latin it's carpe diem, but the phrase that it translates to is that we would seize the day. Turn to your neighbor and say, Seize the day. Seize the day, right? And so in each one of our lives, there are always opportunities. But here, what I want this is what I want you to understand. You see, we always look for different moments, right? And I want you to hone in on the idea of a moment. Because in a moment, what's unique about a moment is it's just short enough to pass you by without notice, but it's also big enough to change your life forever. Think about, for those of you that are married, think about the moment you could have spoken to your spouse for the first time, but if you didn't some of y'all are like, listen, I think about that every day, dog. Listen, I'm just kidding. But think about different moments you've had throughout your life, and you could have let them by. The ones that you capitalized on, you're excited about. The ones you let pass you by, you regret. And that's what's unique about moments, is we have to take advantage of them while they're here, right? Let's go to 1 Samuel 14. And so that's where we're going to spend a good chunk of our time today. All of our time is going to be in 1 Samuel, but 14 and 13. So one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go. I want you to say that with me. Come, let's go. We're going to try it again because some of y'all are late bloomers. Okay, let's try it again. Come, let's go. Over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul, who was his father was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree and migraine. With him were about 600 men. So Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, let's say it again, come, let's go. Over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men, talking about the Philistines, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So his armor bearer looks back at Jonathan and says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. So Jonathan is going to attack. Well, He's initially going to attack the Philistine camp. Now here's something I want you to keep in mind. There were 600 men in an army on his side, ready to fight the battle with him. And my man went by himself anyways. Now, how many of y'all got that one friend that you got to warn everybody about before they get there? (laughs) Right? You start apologizing in advance. Right? Like, listen... When he gets here, he's going to say something stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we all got that one friend, right? How many of you got the friend that's willing to fight anybody anytime for no reason at all? Anybody got some of them? See, some of my recently saved. Raising your hand. I feel you. Okay. Let's see. Some of y'all have been saved too long. You lost track of those friends, right? I keep a few of them around because you never know when you're going to need somebody. Anyways, that's a different, different message altogether. But Jonathan, he's going to pick the fight by himself. I got a buddy of mine. Luke, I'm not gonna say his last name. Some of y'all might know him. Uh, He was that type of dude. He would fight anybody all the time for no reason, unprovoked, just because it was the thing he felt like doing at the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So anytime I would see that look in his eye, y'all know what I'm talking about. That look, where he's like, What you looking at? I'm like, They weren't even looking at you. He's like, No, 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 no. I, I got this. I'm like, No, 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 no. No, you don't. Okay. But We see Jonathan is going over to the Philistine camp by himself, well, with his armor bearer, but just the two of them, right, leaving the army behind. But here's the difference between Jonathan and your knucklehead friend, okay, is that Jonathan was on a mission from God to go destroy his enemy. You know, Luke and some of them others that we know, they just on a mission from stupidity. Anyway, so, but the difference is, is that he goes over, right, and we're going to see kind of how that journey progresses. But... What happened is there was a key opportunity, a key moment, if you will, where Jonathan had the chance to say yes to what God was speaking to him or let the moment pass him by. And the question for today is, are we going to seize the day? Let's find out as we go through. Because I want you to imagine four things with me today. Number one, I want you to imagine engaging the plan. Imagine Engaging the plan that God put in front of you to accomplish. You know what's great about the plan God has for your life? Is he has it for your life. How many times does God speak to us and go, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm going to do through your life. And you're like, no. Nah, mm, How about that one over there? How many times does God give us opportunity, just like my man Juwan, right? When I first sat down with him, I was like, yo, listen, (laughs) I told the whole class, we're getting ready for the public speaking portion. I did that in advance because no one in the class wanted to do it, first of all. But I was like, this is coming. I remember the look of terror in his face. Like, no, this is what y'all about to do. I'm quitting. I'm not doing this anymore. But what happens when you seize the day, the moment Right? But what happens when God's plan for your life is God's plan for your life. So many times we look at what God wants to do in our life and we're like, nah, just do that for them. I'm good where I'm at. You see, when we don't capitalize on key moments, we miss out on the possibility of what God would have done in our life. So imagine engaging the plan. Like Jonathan, right? So let's rock over to 1 Samuel 14, 8 through 10. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over Toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, then we'll stay where we are and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them to our hands. So Jonathan is saying, like, if this happens, we know God is going to allow us to defeat them. But if this happens, then we know we're going to stay where we're at. And so what happens with key opportunities in our life is sometimes we get fixated on the wrong plan for our life. Here's what I mean by that. I believe for many people, we're so fixed on trying not to do the bad things in our life that we're missing out on the good opportunities that God has for us. I'll break it down further. We're trying so hard not to sleep with a person we're not married to yet because that's what the Bible said. We're trying so hard not to do that that we're missing out completely on pursuing who God wants us to be. We're just trying not to say cuss words today, hoping to God we can make it through. Come on, some like, okay. I said, we're we're trying so hard just not to say anything bad. We're trying so hard not to lose our temper. We're trying so hard to fit into the mold of Christianity that religion has built for us, that we're losing track of the possibilities that are in front of us to impact somebody as long as we can fit into this pretty mold that the church has made for us. So as long as I can fit the mold, I'm doing well. What if I told you God cares a lot less about you fitting the mold and cares a lot more about how you're impacting people for the kingdom of God? Don't get me wrong. He cares about the mold, but he cares a lot more about how you're going to impact people's lives as a Christian than whether or not you look like the perfect one or not. So what are we doing with our opportunities? Because for many of us, we're just trying not to sin today, let alone impact somebody else's life. Like, God, I'm just trying not to lose my temper on my boss today because <laughs> I need to go back to work tomorrow because I got to pay these bills next week. I'm just kidding, right? So, like, for many of us, it's all about what we're trying not to do. So, uh, for those of you that know myself and uh, my wife, but more importantly myself, I've been trying to get healthier lately, so we're eating somewhat healthier, right? I was doing really good this week. I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was, well, pretty good this week. Um, I was doing pretty good this week until Friday came, and then you crash it on Friday, and then there was Saturday. You don't resurrect the diet on a Saturday, right? So you wait till Monday, right? So, um, so we were, we're waiting until tomorrow to kick it all back off. It's very exciting. Anyway, so, but all that to say, right, is, and some of you have heard me use this analogy before, but how many of you know that as long as you're fixated on what you can't have, what are you constantly thinking about? What you can't have. So as long as I'm sitting there going, no, Brad, you cannot have that pepperoni pizza with cheese on it. It's Pepperoni, garlic and oregano's. Sauce, sauce, right? Thin, you can fold it. The cheese is picking. You all know what I'm talking about, right? How, how many guys know as long as I'm thinking about what I can't have, I'm thinking about how good it used to be when I had it? Even though it was bad for me, I just remember the good parts about what I had. We do that with sin in our life. We don't remember how it was destroying us. All we do is remember how good it tasted the short time that we had it. See, we, we don't think about what maybe it was doing to our purpose or to our life or to our, what God ultimately, we just remember the short-lived experience that it gave us. And we do that with sin in our life. We do that with situations in our life, right? Here's the thing, with me and my wife, for example, this past week, and an attempt to do better, right? We started planning meals at home. And here's what I found. When we were trying to get as creative as possible on what we could have, we, it became less about what I can't have and became about getting as creative and as positive about what I could have as possible. So it's not no to this and no to that and no to this and no to that. It's yes to all of this. How do I make it great? And in our life with the Lord, it's not no to this, no to who I'm doing this with, no to saying these things. It's not worrying about this. If all my attention is on how it could be in my life, as long as I'm following the Lord, as long as I'm going after Him, as long as I'm looking at Him saying, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm not going to get it right every day. I'm not going to make everything perfect. I'm not going to be the perfect person. I'm not always going to fit in the mold, but you know what? I'm constantly going this way. I'm I'm just going to be looking after this. I'm going to be looking at what I can have. I'm going to be looking at what I'm allowed to do. I'm going to be looking over here. Guess what? As long as you're looking to God, you're not looking at the things you can't have anymore. And so in our lives, we should be fixated on the plan, right? Erwin McManus puts it like this, the greatest tragedy for Christians is not the sins that we commit, but the lives that we fail to live. James 4.17 says this, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, that is sin. So many of us are trying to not commit the sins that we're aware of, we're committing the ones we're unaware of by not doing anything at all, right? Next, I want you to imagine climbing towards the possibilities. Imagine climbing towards the possibilities of what God wants to do in your life. First Samuel 14, 11 and 12. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us. You remember what happens when he said, come up to us, right? He said, the Lord will deliver them and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. You see, he capitalized on the moment. He could have stayed in the tent. He could have stayed in the camp. He could have said no to the Lord, but he capitalized on the moment. And you actually see in the story that the Philistines started destroying themselves because God started working on Jonathan's behalf. So often in life, we don't even see what's possible because we don't see what's possible for God because we see what's impossible for us. We don't see how God could come through for us because all we can see is how we can't come through for ourselves. All right? How many have ever gotten to the end of your rope? How many of you have ever gotten to the, end where, God, I don't see how this is going to work out for me. God, I don't see how you're going to come through with this. God, I don't see how this is going to work. God, I don't see, guess what? You don't have to be able to see it for God to be able to see how he'll work for you. Because when God goes to work on our behalf, it usually blows our mind. You see, so often in life, too many of us become sideliners in the purpose that God has for us. See, I grew up playing sports. Uh, first, I started playing baseball. Pastor Dan was a baseball player. My dad, he was a really good baseball player, actually. And so he was a baseball player. My, my ADHD is way too bad for baseball. I'm just telling you all right now. Not nearly enough going on at one time. How many of y'all like watching baseball on TV? Are there any baseball watchers? You're lying, okay? No one likes watching baseball on TV, okay? There's a serious problem with people that do that. I'm just kidding. So I, I started playing baseball. That wasn't my thing. Ended up playing football because uh, I was always bigger for my age and you can hit people in football. So that was perfect. Then I started playing hockey, which is really football on skates. Perfect, right? So um, we can do that. We don't have ice hockey because everything melts here in Pensacola. Anyway, so, uh, so then uh, I started playing basketball in high school. Love that. So, man, I found all these sports that you're active 100% of the time. The problem with baseball is I would like, when I was the catcher, I was good, but I wouldn't, they would put me in right field sometimes which I'm aware of what right fields means. Okay, so calm down. I'm the one with my glove on my head poking at the fence. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just like the play is happening. I'm just, look at all these cars out here. Just right. Couldn't do it. But when I got to football, that was my lane. And then basketball, that was my lane. Right. But here's what I noticed. There was a lot of people that were willing to work hard enough to get the jersey, but not willing to work hard enough to get in the game. See, there are sideliners that they want to be on the team, but they don't want to put in the work necessary to be able to capitalize on key moments. You see, I wanted to take the last shot of the game. I wanted to be in the game when the last play was getting called. I wanted to be part of what was about to happen. I wanted to be able to say that I earned the jersey, but there are some people that are on the team that they don't really care about what they get to do once they're on it. They just want something they can put on their chest. Can I tell you something? In the kingdom of God, there are plenty of people that aren't interested in becoming active in what God wants to do in their lives. They just want the jersey that's got Christian on the chest. They just wanna be close enough to the team they can celebrate when we celebrate, but they don't wanna be close enough that they become active in the very purpose that God wants to do in their lives. Too many people become sideliners, either out of fear of failure or out of apathy and not caring. But can we as believers acknowledge that God wants to do something bigger and better and greater with our life? And what are the possibilities that could happen if we said yes? What could God do in our life? Number three, I want you to imagine trusting God for your promise. What is God speaking to you that he wants to do in your life? What is God speaking to you that he wants to make possible for you? How does he want to come through? How does he want to use your life? What is he promising the purpose? What does he want to unlock in you? What does he want to bring out of you in regards to destiny? What does he want to speak life into dead areas that you may have, things you've given up on, dreams that you've had, but because too much time went by, you think that they're gone. What is it that God wants to breathe life into, and what will it take to get you there? 1 Samuel 13, we go back into the story a little bit. Long before Jonathan climbs the mountain, Saul remained in Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. How many of you have ever had been in that place in your life where the people around you was just as scared as you are, right? They start scattering. How many of y'all got dumb friends run away too quick? Yeah. I got your back. You where? Anyway, so. He waited seven days. So Samuel tells him, wait seven days and I'll be there. Then we're going to bless you. We're going to pray. We're going to send you out to war. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal. And then Saul's men began to scatter. You see, many of us, out of fear of failure, never engage our moments But many of us have given up on the opportunity for our moment because God didn't operate within our time confines. You see, the allotted time that we had in our head that God had for for himself to show up on our behalf has passed. Therefore, we think the time is gone. We don't think there's any way God is interested in us because if he was, then he would have already done something about this situation. But more often than not, God lets us get into time frames that it seems impossible for him to come through so that when he does come through, it's not possible for us to give anyone or anything else the glory but God to say, listen, I I know this wasn't me. I know this wasn't this person. The only way this happened is because God supernaturally blessed this part of our life. And that's what we see here, that Samuel waited and waited and waited and Saul had given up on the time. But I want you to imagine Imagine what can happen when we operate in God's timing and not ours. And then lastly, I want you to imagine the victory in your process. Imagine the victory in your process. You see, first thing, going back to 1 Samuel 13, 2. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree and Margin. With him were about 600 men. And I, I want to point something out to you in this that is... You don't see just in this one verse but we see it throughout the text. You see where Saul was, he had a number of things on his side. Number 1, he had Samuel, which is the man of God for that hour. So he had God's blessing. He had multiple multiple generals of his army were there. Therefore, he had the military approval. And then he had 600 men. So he had the power. He had God's favor. And he had man's direction to accomplish everything he set out to accomplish. Matter of fact, when we look at the first in verse 13 that we looked at a second ago, he was in such a hurry that he went without God's blessing anyways. Right. So then he gets all the way where he's just on the outskirts of the enemy's camp. And when he has the opportunity to attack their camp, what does he do? He sleeps underneath a tree. You want to know why? Because he was so confident in himself that he would leave early, but he wasn't confident enough in himself to attack the enemy's camp. You see, in our lives, when we get outside of God's timing and we take things into our own hands, what happens when we now have to fight the battle on our own terms? We're not strong enough. We're not ready. We don't know what we're doing. How many of y'all ever been in that moment where you felt like you were running face first into a brick wall in the dark because you had no control over what was happening in your life? And so Saul gets all the way to the enemy's gates. And he says, nah, I'm going to just sleep underneath this tree. He had God's man with him. He had an army with him. He had the generals with him. But you know what he realized he didn't have? God's favor with him. Because he missed his moment. But guess who was ready to capitalize on his? Jonathan. Jonathan said, you can sleep under the tree if you want to. God's promised us that army, And we're going to go take it. Where are the areas of our life where we're sleeping under the tree because we don't trust God enough to win on our behalf? What are the areas? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's something at your job. Where is it that we don't trust God enough to come through on our behalf So we started moving faster than he asked us to, doing things he never asked us to, and yet when the time comes for our opportunity, we're found sleeping under the tree because we never look to God to be our source. You see, God is for us. Matter of fact, I'll prove it to you. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says this, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you, say that last word with me, victory. I'll take you to John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have, say that word with me, peace. In this world, you will have trouble. They're giving us the heads up now. How many of you ever, when you encountered trouble, you were looking at God like, why did he let me go through this? Why did you let me go through this? If you had really loved me, you wouldn't have let me do this. You wouldn't let me go through this pain. You wouldn't let me go through this struggle. But he already told us. In this world, you will have trouble. You want to know why? Because people are stupid. Okay, I'm just kidding. That's not the reason why. (laughs) Because life comes for you no matter what. Because we live in a sinful world, there are sinful things and sinful people which create bad circumstances. I don't care who you are. But the beauty is the last half of this verse. But take heart, the Lord says, I have overcome the world. God is already victorious in every situation you encounter. You see, God has already won the battles you're currently fighting. God has already become victorious in heaven over the current struggles you're having on earth. There's nothing too big for our God to handle. There's nothing that he can't defeat and there's nowhere you can go where he can't wave his hand of victory over your life. It may look differently than you thought it was going to look. The outcome may be different than you thought it was going to be. Then It may even take you on a journey that you didn't think it was going to take you on. But I'm here to tell you that when we stay faithful to what God has for us, when we stay faithful to who God is in our life, there will never come a day where you walk outside of the viewing angle of God in your life he is watching you he is with you and he is carrying you and he will take you everywhere that you need to go and give you victory in every circumstance that you walk into because God is for you you've heard of the poem footprints you guys have heard that poem before there's two sets of footprints there's a guy dreaming that was where him and the Lord are walking together and then he sees one set of footprints and he looks at God and says God How come in that one section of footprints you left me? And the the poem says that Jesus looks at him and says, no, that's when I carried you. I'm here to tell you there's only ever one set of footprints. Because there's never a moment in our life where we're actually walking by ourselves at all. The minute you stepped into faith with Jesus, he's been carrying you ever since. Even in the times where you felt like you were alone, he carried you then. Even in the times where you felt like you didn't know how you were gonna get through that season of life, he carried you then. Even in the times where the worst pain of your life hit your home, he carried you then. Even in the times where you didn't know how you were gonna make it financially, he carried you then. You never got a chance to walk because he never put you down. He's been for you ever since. God hadn't forgot you. Matter of fact, God wants you to seize the day. He wants you to seize the opportunity in front of you because there's no reason why you ever have to think that he would let you down. He's here for you and he's here to carry you. So how does that work? Pastor, what are the next steps? Let's give them to you real quick. I wanna give you four things that God wants to help you with. Number one, if you're gonna seize the day, you're gonna have to overcome your fear. You're gonna have to overcome, what is your fear that you have? Is it a fear about God? Is it a fear about how God may not be for you? Is it a fear how God will let you down? Is it a fear of how things may not go well for you? What is the fear that you have to overcome? But you have to overcome that fear because to surrender to the Lord means to let go of the fear of Him not being for you. Number two, get out of your feelings. Some of us never step into what God has for us because we'll never stop being bitter at the person that hurt us last time. The thing is, Sometimes the person that hurt us last time is the Lord. It becomes very difficult to pursue God's plan of our life if we've never forgiven God for the areas of our life where we felt like he hurt us. Where did he let you down? Where is it that you felt like you walked alone? And are you dealing with that? Because I can promise you this, God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you which means whatever area it is in your life that you felt like God owes you an apology, you have to look back and say, you know what, I didn't see him do this for me when I wanted to, but I do see him where he did this. So often we're looking for him in the place where he, we don't see him moving, but we're missing the other six places where it's so obvious that he is. So for some of us, we gotta get out of our feelings and realize that God hasn't gone anywhere. Next, you gotta engage your faith. You're gonna to have to believe in something that seems impossible in your own hands, but is 100% possible in God's. And then lastly, imagine your future. Imagine your future. Imagine what could be if you said, yeah. imagine what could be if you said I'm all in. Imagine what could be if you engage what's possible for your life, right? Because the the, theme for today, seizing the day, boils down to this one key phrase from Samuel, 1 Samuel 14, come, let's go. You know what that translates to in my verbiage? I'm in. Where are you taking me, God? Because I'm in. Where are we gonna go? I'm in. What is the journey you have for me? I'm in. What is my purpose that you have? I'm in. I'm ready to say yes to wherever you're going. to I'm ready to say yes for whatever you want to do. I'm ready to say yes for what you're going to take me through. I'm ready to say yes for the purpose, for the destiny, for the plan, for the process. I'm ready to engage. I'm ready to climb. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to go. All I know is I'm not going to stay here. So wherever you're taking me to, I'm in. Takes me back to my buddy and his son PJ on the beach. First of all, I think one of the beautiful aspects of that whole thing is that When you get to impact children early, it's unbelievable what they can become, right? Which is why I love our TC kids, all the dream team that serve back there in TC kids, whether the nursery, pre-K, elementary, because they're genuinely creating a difference in, in the lives of children that are gonna grow up to become leaders in our church, to become leaders in society, become leaders in community, That's why some of you, you have the gift, like you love working with kids. Like That's the thing that you, when you're with a kid, it's like you come alive. It's like you you can speak life into them, you can help them, you can take them on a journey. And I'm here to tell you, if that's you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be impacting the children that are in our church every week. Matter of fact, if you wanna do that, at the end of our service, there's a table in the back of each side, back here of our sanctuary. And if that's you, if, if man, you love the idea of creating an impact in the life of a child and helping them grow up to be everyone, everything that God wants them to be, you can sign up today and they'll give you the process. There's a whole thing we wanna take you through, right? We're not throwing any weirdos back there on the first week. All right, so just parents, stay calm. But what I want you to know is that God has something for you, but it does take saying, I mean. So my buddy PJ on the beach and my buddy and his son PJ, he uh, is sitting with him and so PJ runs over to help the guy, the double amputee, the guy that fell down on the crutches. He runs over to help him. He falls in the sand, he helps him up, falls in the sand, helps him up. And, and that last time, and PJ is a scrawny little kid. First of all, he's tiny. And then he, he was just young. So he's helping him and, and it, quite frankly, it ain't going so well. PJ's giving it all he's got, but it ain't going well. About two minutes of him helping these college kids see him. So they the college kids actually, one by one, start going over and they help him. And one of them grabs him around uh, the waist and helps him up. And the other one grabs him on the other side and helps him up. And one of the other guys grabs his book bag and one of the other guys grabs his crutches. and They actually help him. They get him over to the little concrete area where he's not in the sand anymore. And they make sure he's good and get him all squared away. And PJ comes running over to his dad and he goes, Dad, He's got tears in his eyes. He says, dad, I wasn't strong enough. I couldn't do it. And my buddy looks at him and he's in disbelief. And he says, PJ, he got there though. He says, yeah, but I wasn't strong enough. And he looked at PJ and he says, son, sometimes it's not about being the only one. It's about being the one that starts. Sometimes it's not about f- Making everything go right, sometimes it's about being the catalyst for change. And for some of you, you're never gonna see the end of what God wants to do in your family, but you're gonna be the catalyst for change. For some of you, you're never gonna see the end of what God ends up doing at your workplace, but you're gonna be the first one to say yes. You're gonna be the PJ of your job that says, I don't know where this is gonna end up. I don't know how the gospel is gonna end up impacting my whole workplace, but I am gonna be the catalyst for change. I am gonna be the first one to say yes. For some of you, you're not gonna know how your your family or even maybe the kids ministry or even the production team or whatever team you may end up on the dream team, you don't know how your saying yes is gonna impact all that, but your initial yes, your ability to say, I'm in, your start, you being the catalyst is gonna be the change that you won't ever even see, but you get to be the beginning stage of it. Just like my man PJ. Did he have the strength to help the guy? No. Did he have all of what it took to get him where he was trying to get him to? No. But just like his dad looked at him and said, PJ, if you hadn't said yes, they wouldn't have either. But because they said yes, because you said yes, they said yes. What is God waiting on in our life? What is God waiting on in our purpose for us to say yes? You know what? God, I'm amen. Whatever that is, let's get moving towards the purpose that God has for us. There's a destiny for you to fulfill. There's a plan for you to complete and there's a purpose for you to begin. Let's all go forward together and watch God do something amazing in your life, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one time today. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that at the end of the day, Lord, you are in complete control of this world that is around us. And sometimes, God, that can be incredibly frustrating because we feel like you should be working quicker on our behalf. We feel like you should be doing certain things differently. But at the end of the day, God, we know that you make all things work together for the good of those who are loved, that love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, we surrender to you today. Unlock destiny and purpose in Jesus' name. If you're in this room today with everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed and you say, Pastor, that's me, but today I need to seize a moment, but it's not about unlocking destiny. It's about purpose. It's, it's, it's about the first step of my journey. You see, I don't know God today. I know enough about God to know that I'm not right with God. But today I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I need God to do something different in my life, Pastor. And I'm ready to say yes to that call. I'm ready to give him my life. I wanna say yes to a new beginning. if that's you today, if the first step of your yes, if the first step of you seizing the day, if the first step of you saying, I'm in, the first step towards your purpose is to know the one that creates it for you. His name is Jesus and he's here for you today. And if you're in this room and you want a new beginning, if you're in this room and you wanna be forgiven of your sins, you want an eternity in heaven and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, if you're here today, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you today. And you say, that's me, Pastor. I want Jesus to give me a fresh start. I want a brand new beginning. And I'm ready to say yes to everything he has for me. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand right where you sit That's me? God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Once you put your hands up, you can put it down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you today. Is there more that says, that's me, Pastor. I'm ready for a new beginning and a fresh start. I want Jesus to take control. God bless you. Amen. Yes. Yes. If you're watching us online and you're saying, that's me, Pastor, I'm ready for a fresh start. I want God to do something brand new in my life. If that's you today, we wanna pray for you as well. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer together. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is acknowledging with words what's happening in your heart. And that's that you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And today that faith is what makes you saved. But we're gonna pray a prayer together to put words to the actions of our heart. So let's do a church. We're gonna pray with our brothers and sisters out loud and we're gonna declare that we're giving our life to Jesus. So let's do it. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death and through your resurrection, I, can be saved. So I follow you. I give you my life. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, one time let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.